0: Yeah.
1: Ah, the intro to this song gives me all the early noughties nostalgia vibes. It was the song that launched Blue to fame and set them on the path to being one of the UK's best selling boy bands of the decade. Joining me today is one quarter of the group to talk about his life after that thing he did. All rise and please welcome Anthony Costa. Hey Anthony, how are you doing today?
0: I'm all right, thank you. I'm all good. Yeah, sun is shining, weather is sweet, that's all good.
1: I wish we were meeting properly in person so I could impress you with my firm handshake because I hear you're not a fan of the old wet lettuce handshake.
0: I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's my pet hate. Um, for me when I meet someone I like looking in someone's eyes whether it's a man or a woman shaking their hand and looking in their eyes because you know from that instance that they're a-genuine if they've got a wet lettuce hand shake and they don't look at you I've got no time for you absolutely <laughs> no time for you I think it's rude I think it's and it's not nice I, I think it's it's disrespectful when my dad taught me that from, from a young age he said son he goes when you shake hands with someone you look them in the eye and you make sure they look look at you in the eye, but you know nowadays it's like you know someone could say, "Oh, you it's intimidating." It's like, "No, nah, mate, it's, it's 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 uh it's personal." Do you know what I mean?
1: Have you ever judged someone on their handshake and then they've pleasantly surprised you?
0: No, everyone I've judged is on is on <laughs> is on handshake. It is. I I I I met someone that wanted to uh, work with me and the boys. And the boys were all over, all over this guy going, oh, he's really cool. And I said, nah, mate, I'm not having him. I said, he's, he's, got, the, he's got a shit handshake. And they were like, what do you mean? I said, nah, mate, he's, he, he don't look at you. He was like, looked away. Like, yeah, because he, he knew that I, I was not him, but he knew that he didn't want to look me in the eye. And that for me, I couldn't trust him. And lo and behold, he proved me right.
1: Oh, dear. Let's get down to business and head into the nostalgia zone. If we start with the beginnings of Blue, you guys had a bit of a, a slog on your way to the top because you weren't put together. So you kind of like played pubs and clubs and schools and did that whole thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, was, uh, we all met each other on the audition circuit and a, a guy was looking to, to form a band. And me and Dunk formed the band with this guy, Daniel, who was our first manager. And we've got we've got Lee Ryan in and Simon was living with Lee. And that's how Blue came about. Um, there was two other members at first, but that didn't work out. But then as a four, it really felt like something special. And that's how mm. Blue was formed in a nutshell.
1: But there was like a real gap in the market, I think at the time, wasn't there, for a band like Blue?
0: Yeah, there was. There was, you know, five were just about to come to an end. Westlife were flying. Excuse the pun, flying about wings. Um, <laughs> and. I think we sort of took over that five another level sort of fan base uh, because as I said, th- th- they were coming to an end and Blue came out at the right time, which was g- genius marketing from our record company at the time.
1: I mean, all three of your studio albums went to number one and you had countless number one singles around the world. But what did you feel like when you got your first number one and how did you celebrate it?
0: Our first number one was too close. And if I remember rightly, we were coming back from a gig in Hull. We were doing one of them um, party in the park type shows. And I, Silly, organised a number one party at my ass. I don't know why. We weren't even number I didn't even know we were going to be number one. So everyone's mums were there, family. My family were there, all ready to pop the champagne. And literally, as I pulled into the drive, I think it was Dr. Fox, he said, right, the new number one is blue, too close. And we was like jumping up and down in the car. And if you remember *Falls and Horses, when the car's doing that, when they become millionaires, <laughs> it was literally like that. So, yeah, and we, we celebrated all night. It was a, it was a good, good time for, for pop music and a good time for us, for sure.
1: Man, what would have happened if you hadn't been number one that day and you got all these people around to your house?
0: It's well, embarrassing, isn't it? You'd be embarrassed, man. <laughs> We'd have just, we just had a drink anyway because you used to take him part at cats.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that your mum and Duncan's mum ran your fan club. I mean, back then, I guess, people were still writing letters. Obviously, now we've got emails. But um, did, did, your, did your parents just have mountains of post?
0: Yeah, we I don't know about man as a post, but it was it was crazy because we did it from my old house in Northwest London. So my mum and dunk's mum decided to do it and they'd be literally sending letters, sending presents, sending teddy bears, toys, et cetera, et cetera. It was just a mad time. Like the postman was like, what is going on here? Like my local postman from like a year before was just getting like one letter a day, you know, to, to my mum and dad, like the electric bill, and then all of a sudden there's like all these teddies, toys games letters of love uh letters of marriage and and this postman was like what is going on it's like sackful um not all for me i'm telling you now listeners not all for me
1: what was a typical day like for them running the blue fan club was this like a a full-time job did they quit their jobs to do this and like dealing with the adoration for their sons
0: they they did quit their jobs because they didn't want anyone else doing it i think it was one of them our sons have worked hard we want to look after them so to speak so yeah. they did it for about a year and a half and then just got too much for them And uh, me and Dunk said look it's just you know you, you're getting stressed out because we're not being able to sign things on time because we're so busy so yeah. we gave it to another company but they were fine about it you know it's just one of them things that come to it slowly came to a, a, a good end you know what I mean
1: but I'm sure they're probably still lifelong members right <laughs> of the Blue Fan Club
0: oh my mum <laughs> yeah I'm not sure about that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that after, that, after the meeting. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, let's talk a little bit about the image, not just the fashion, but also the personalities that I guess, was it. was it the record label gave you all?
0: Personalities?
1: Yeah, kind of, you know what I mean? In the same way that the Spice Girls had kind of like Sporty Spice, were you not kind of like branded as Lee's going to be the cheeky one and Duncan's going to be, you know, like the smiley one nah, that does the talking nah. and you know that
0: kind of stuff no not really we were just ourselves um, a lot of people made their own minds up and I think our music spoke for itself we was never when we sent out the first single Will Rise to rec- uh, to the radios it was just the name Blue and that was it it was just case of this is what the song's about and, and we let the music do the talking and that's how Blue became known because of our music it wasn't Oh, well, we got the blonde hair, we've got the dark hair, we've got the black guy, we've got the Greek one, we got this one, we got that one. It wasn't about that, it was about the music. And that's what we always went on. And we made the people decide for themselves.
1: So I guess it was, I guess, more like the press's decision on the, the personalities they gave you, really.
0: Yeah, press got to make a decision. They got to make their own minds up and put you in a little box. So yeah, they've got a job to do. So you just you just roll with it.
1: Didn't you um I think I read in your autobiography that you had some. Anxiety at the time because you felt like you didn't look like a typical pop star in inverted commas.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. I think you always have that anxiety or insecurity. I think it's I think it's natural um because I think you know you just said it yourself when you asked that question. Oh, Lee's the cheeky one, Dunks the smiley one. But what about me? What am I? Do you see what I'm saying? That's what used to happen in every interview. It was oh, so you're the cheeky one, you're the smiley one. So what? What, what exactly are you? You you're Greek you're, you're, you're half Greek half Jewish but you've got hairy arms or you've got hairy chest I mean it's not really boy banded and that's how I felt that's how maybe that's not what people made me feel but that's how I felt in inside that's it made you insecure and it made you think well I've worked all my life to be in a band and do something I love and now I'm being judged for it mm. it was it was insane I never thought it'd be like that. Mm
1: so one of the things that we have in common is um is that both our dads are from cyprus yeah and and i think you, you kind of touched on there for me, for me it means that i feel like i was born part wookie yeah. where basically i kind of like you know have one eyebrow that went spanned f- across the side of my face yeah. have to back comb yeah. your leg hair to keep your tights up kind of thing
0: yeah 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 um,
1: i think it's kind of oh, a shared, shared issue we have here as well <laughs> our, our sugeness yeah oh, <laughs> Um, you had some uh, pretty wild times in the band. What's, uh, what's your favourite memory?
0: God, where I start? Um, I think for me, the best time was the first Brits in 2002 when we won British Newcomer, best British Newcomer of, of, of 2002. I think it was the pinnacle of, of blue to say like we, we're, we're here and we're hopefully here to stay because no one gave us a shot in hell about, and no one gave us a hope that we'd last. It was always oh every interview we'd do we'd be like oh so if you guys decided to split up or when you're going to split up and when you're going to do this it was like we've only just started we're we, we're enjoying ourselves let's have fun let's just enjoy doing something we've always wanted to do and let's enjoy being musicians and being singers and I think we just we just had the best time um, yeah we we made some mistakes we financially etc but but it was just a case of. We have to just enjoy it while it lasts. And that's what we did.
1: There's a great story uh, about you and Donatella Versace and a case of mistaken identity.
0: Yeah, so we got invited to the Versace Awards, uh, Versace Awards, London, uh, Milan Fashion Week. And Blue had just come out, so we're going back 2001. and um, She wanted us, she got kitted out in Versace in Bond Street or Mayfair, one of them places. Flew us in a private jet over to Italy. We land, we go to the hotel, blah, 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 get changed. Anyway, we go to the Milan Fashion Week. We're sitting here. I'm, I'm so bored because it's not my thing. Everyone's walking up and down, models. And they said, um, "Oh, you know, Donatella wants to meet you. So we said, okay, let's go and meet her. Wicked, it's amazing. So we're standing up in a line, you know, to imagine it's a bit like when you're meeting the Queen at the Royal Variety Show. And she looks at us and like, that was a wet hand handshake as well. Let me just get it straight. <laughs> And she sort of looked up and down. And I said to the boys, I said, that's a bit weird. I said, what's that about? I thought we were supposed to be these like guests of honour. Anyway, cut a long story short, we come home to England and it turns out she invited blur, but her PR invited blue. So she, (laughs) she wanted blur and not blue.
1: How one letter can make so much of a difference.
0: Do you know what I mean? It's true, man. And I've seen that Alex from Blur before. He said, You took our bloody invitation. <laughs> and we started laughing.
1: Well, he's making cheese now. So, you know.
0: <laughs> he's making cheese. He's he's he's, he's smashing it, at the geezer. He's doing so well.
1: I wonder if he sent any cheese to Donatello Versace.
0: Probably. Blue cheese. He sent some blue cheese. <laughs> 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 there you go, Don.
1: I've always wondered when you have that kind of success, how you can possibly know who your friends are. Because, I mean, other than the boys in the band, of course, because you always. Like as an outsider, you always feel like showbiz people have showbiz mates. But is it difficult to maintain or make new friends when you kind of have that stardom? Because you don't know if they're just attracted to the fame.
0: Jen, I mean, I for I, I had mates coming out woodworks. I had cousins that I didn't even know. I had cousins. Mm, I bet. Um, I, I, yeah, from the Greek side and my mum's side, my Jewish side. So I was, you know, I remember uh, coming into my ass and. I started thinking, saying to my dad, like, who's this? He went, oh, that's your cousin. That's my, that's my cousin's son and that's my cousin's daughter and they want a photo and blah, blah. I'm like, where were they, like, five, six years ago when I wanted to, you know, I wanted
1: to
0: mm. go and see them or anything because that's, that's just the nature of the beast, Genevieve. That's, that's how you sort of know who your mates are. And I've, I've literally, my old man said to me, if you've got two mates, if, you've got, if you can count your friends on one hand, you're doing well. And I never believed him. I was thought, no, Dad, you're talking crap. Honestly, he's right. He's absolutely right. I've got two mates that I've grew up with that have never asked or wanted for anything. They've just been my friends, and that's that's true friendship for me. Showbiz mates, yeah, I've got people that are in the public eye, and they're, but they're not, you know, I wouldn't call upon them to for a bit of help. I'd call on my mates that I've grew up
1: with. Mm. A three-part question for you. What's your favourite blue song to perform? What's the one you're a bit fed up of now? And which one do you think is the most underrated?
0: Okay, the one I like performing is One Love because it's a good, it's a good up song, isn't it? It's a good, like, right at the end of a concert. It's, it's a really, really good song. What was the second one? What am I fed up with?
1: Yeah, the one you're just a bit fed up of performing. I wouldn't say
0: fed up, but I'm not really into the ballady ones. There's a song called uh, Best In Me that I don't really rate. It's not my favourite song. A lot of people like it, but I, I don't particularly enjoy doing it. The most underrated song was a song called When Summer's Gone on the Guilty album. That is one of my favourite Blue songs. I love it. Absolutely love that song. That
1: wasn't released as a single, was it?
0: No. It should have done.
1: And of course, I have to ask, it's Blue's 20th anniversary this year. Can we expect some birthday shows?
0: Birthday shows? I wish. Um, for we had some gigs lined up last year but obviously because of what's going on in the world we we obviously pulled them we couldn't do them um but there's no talks of it yet we we, we you know we talk every day every other day we're talking and we, we just think to ourselves like we need to make it the right time if we was to do anything we don't want to overcrowd the market we if it's right for us then yeah if it's not then we'll just sit back and wait for that right moment
1: mm. okay It's time to head out of the Nostalgia Zone and into what I like to call the Latted Zone, otherwise known as Life After That Thing I Did. After the band split, Mm. were you given or offered any aftercare by your record label or management to deal with that change and how that might affect your lives?
0: No, I didn't. Uh, The others did. The others got um, record deals on the back of being in Blue. They were doing stuff, i say, behind my back, but it's not really behind my back. It's behind everyone's back. They were sorting out their own business. I didn't. I thought Blue was going to last for years and years. I was, a I hate saying that word, a loyal member because I never thought about myself. Um, I thought about everyone else first. The aftercare, no. I literally, when we called it a day, we called it a day for six months and it ended up being six years. It was crazy. Because everything's happened if we were doing other things, but we never had an argument, never had a falling out. But a lot of people in the record company just they weren't there for you. Mm. That's that's the bottom line. Uh do I feel upset about that still? Yes, I do. I think things should still be done to this day to people that get released from a record company or get dropped by a label or management. I had someone that worked closely with us. We was on our final shoot, photo shoot, came up to me and said, well, I'm not going to be looking after you just to let you know I'm going to be looking after the other three, but you need to find someone else. Harsh. Yeah, proper, proper. And I went, wow, okay. He goes, yeah, it's nothing personal. I just just don't think I could do anything with you. So I'm going to look after the other three, work with them. I was like, okay. And that's what happened. And I thought from that day, I thought, excuse my friends, I thought, fuck you all if we ever got back together, I'm going to think about myself. And that's what I've been doing since. I'm still like, I love the boys to bits and I'll always put blue first if we was to do anything. But I've got to put food on the table for my family. Mm. And that's, that's the bottom line.
1: Mm. You said before that you feel like you had to leave the band to be the person you wanted to be. Yeah. Can you explain a bit more about that?
0: I think when the band disbanded, as I said, I was a you know loyal member. I never thought about myself, but I thought, do you know what, I need to do something for me now. And I went into the I'm Celebrity Jungle, which was brilliant for me, for my own mental health and health, well-being and, and, and making people think, oh, I like this geezer, he's all right, he's not part, you know, he's, he's not just that bloke from a band, he's actually all right, I can go for a pint with him or I can, uh, you know, have him, have him as a mate. And from that, I went into my first love, which was acting. And it'll always be my first love from a young age and I never thought I'd love acting as much as I did and I'm still in love with it to this day and I've managed to do a lot of musicals, a lot of theatre shows and I'm, I'm grateful that I'm still working.
1: How challenging has it been for you to get out of the pigeonhole of being Anthony from Blue to becoming a musical theatre actor and showing that you're more than this yeah. one thing that people know you for?
0: For me, I like to prove people wrong, Genevieve. I like to be the first one at rehearsals, be the last one to leave, be on call to help other people. I I just thought I don't want to be judged and I don't want to give people an excuse to judge me. I like going for auditions. I like, I like being the underdog. I always like being the underdog and that's where I succeed the best. That's where I strive for.
1: I mean, I guess kind of linked to that, the press seemed like they were trying to create competition between you all with your solo projects, um, and I think you you bore the brunt of a lot of that.
0: Oh my god! Did
1: did it make you feel oh. like you did have more to prove? Absolutely. Or have you had you grown enough of a thick skin to kind of shake it off at that point?
0: I I, I always have to prove, Genevieve. I always have to prove, and I thought it's. It's what I have to do. As I said to you, I love going for auditions. I love proving people wrong. I love the fact that no one can say that I'm ever late. I love the fact that I'm, I I use my P's and Q's with everyone. I'm polite. And no one's got an excuse. I've seen people come out of drama school that think they're, you know, (laughs) Elaine Page. And people like that, that think they've earned their stripes. Well, hello. How about you, you, you offer people a cup of tea. You know, people like, oh, do you want a cup of tea? When they come in rehearsals, they're like, what? Yeah, do you want a cup of tea? Because you make them feel welcome. You don't want to give these people an excuse. And that's what I've always strived on. I love it. Absolutely love it.
1: We have to talk about Eurovision Song Contest, (laughs) which you did uh, like 10 years ago this this year. Yeah. Uh, And you came 11th, although if the voting system was then as it is now, you would have finished a lot higher because you...
0: We would have finished third.
1: You would have finished third. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it was like you was fifth in the viewer vote, weren't you? So yeah, I mean, I've been to Eurovision to report it. I went in twenty thirteen um, to cover it, and it was it was crazy busy. So it must have been bonkers for you to be there as a performer.
0: It was the best. I I love Eurovision, as you know. We got with from a Greek Cypriot background. My yaya, my gran, um, she loves the Eurovision, and for me to do the Eurovision, represent my country with my with my band, I think that's the most proudest she's ever been because she was able to watch it live on tv in in cyprus and i think for me doing that obviously i did it to represent my country you know let's not take that away but it was nice when i was on that stage thinking in my head that my grand's watching it in cyprus in a little balcony in Larnaca. so that meant a lot to me and uh, it was a great time it was a great great time the most hardest work i think me and the boys have ever done because you're constantly...
1: I think it was the hardest work I'd ever done as well for a week. I got there on a Wednesday, left on a Sunday.
0: You're constantly, aren't you?
1: I think I had about seven hours yeah. seven hours sleep in five days. Yeah. It didn't stop.
0: Yeah, you're constantly, constantly like, as you know, interviews, photo shoots, press conferences, rehearsals, singing rehearsals, dance rehearsals, playing. Bang. It was non-stop. And I'll tell you something, they do put on a bloody good show. They do.
1: you all posed nude in attitude magazine to promote your eurovision stint too how did you how did you find that experience
0: it's all right it was fine photo shoot it do you know what i mean
1: (laughs) but it's a photo shoot nude which you don't typically do and if you're kind of like already a bit conscious about not looking like a typical boy band star then you know you're going to feel even more super conscious if you're going to have to pose nude as well
0: yeah i mean i didn't really bother me. I mean, I've, I've forgotten what I've completely forgot all about it, to be honest with you. I was like, now you reminded me. I'm like, oh yeah, we did that. Because you do so much. It's just a blur, isn't it? In your head.
1: I spotted um, somebody was selling a, <laughs> a copy of, of the magazine on eBay. How
0: much for about a pound?
1: I couldn't, I had, weirdly, I had to log in to see how much, uh, to this to this site, to see how much they were selling it for. But I noted that it was, um, it was wrapped in plastic. Make of that what you will.
0: Okay, interesting. <laughs> It's nice to know.
1: You um, you described yourself uh, as a bit of an Eeyore in the past. Do you think you've evolved more into a bit of a piglet or a Winnie the Pooh now, or dare I even say it, a tigger?
0: I think because I take a lot of time to trust someone, I think that's why um, I don't trust people easily. I don't trust. I don't. I don't give my all straight away. You have to earn. I have to earn the right to for you to respect me, and you've got to earn the right to respect. And I, you've got to earn the right for me to respect you. That's how I work. That's and I get upset when no one thinks like me, and, that, and that's uh, I, it just guts me.
1: Last few questions before we wrap up. Uh, your daughter Savannah was born in 2014, uh, but you were a bit unprepared the day she arrived.
0: Yeah, I was filming casually, um, randomly uh, enough, and I said to the director, he said, look, I said Phew. when I got the job when I went for the audition, I got the job. I said, look, my." My other half's about to drop. And they said, that would be fine. We'll, we'll sort it out. And I'm lying in the, hosp- the hospital bed in casualty. I'm all burnt up. And my character's have all got prosthetics on and stuff. And I get a call. The third AD comes to me and says, it's your other half. She's gone into labour. And I was like, I jumped out of bed. And I was like, well done, congratulations. And I literally went there, managed to see the birth and then come back to Wales the next day and um, carry on filming.
1: Didn't you turn up like in full casualty makeup though at the hospital
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i did yeah but i turned up in all the in all the scrubs i blew they were like do you work i was like no no i've just come from filming and they couldn't believe it they were like what what's going on here so i had to go back home have a shower and come back
1: at least you didn't turn up as like a you weren't playing like a car crash victim or something i know and, just, and then turn up know, with right? blood down your face and it was
0: crazy i was literally ripping. Ripping all the prosthetics off in the back of this car that they kindly gave me to to go back. It's carnage. It was carnage.
1: I'm guessing you were were a bit better prepared for the birth of your second daughter.
0: (laughs) Second daughter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. So, yeah, don't. It was crazy. Crazy.
1: You are living in a house full of women. Yeah. Are you prepared for when your daughters bring their first boyfriends home? And are you going to be looking out for the wet lettuce handshake?
0: Well, my oldest, who's 17 now, she's just turned 17. She lives with my, my ex down in Bournemouth. I think she sort of started seeing someone, but she didn't want to tell me. I think she's a bit embarrassed, but she told my partner, Rosanna. And, uh, and I was having a bit of a wind-up with her the other week. She came up to see me, and I was like, who's this guy? And she was like, she got all embarrassed. She started laughing, and she's like, oh, no, nothing. No one, no one. I was like, all oh, right. And I just had a bit of banter. Listen, it's going to happen. What can you say? What can you do? You can't really... Yes, I will be looking out for the wet, lettuce handshake. Don't get me wrong. But what can you do? We've all been there. We've all been teenagers. We've all fallen in, in and out of love more times than, you know, uh, a soap character. So listen, it, it's one of them things.
1: <laughs> Are you looking forward to the time when you're going to um, just have to fight to have bathroom time?
0: No, what I do is I wake up very, very early. That's what I do. I wake up early. I get my stuff in straight away. <laughs> <laughs> get what I need to do straight away.
1: Anthony, thank you so much for talking with me today. Um, I know you. you just started a production of Zorro up in Manchester before lockdown oh, no. started, um, so, and you must be itching to get back on stage. Um, so oh best God. of luck with whatever's next for you. Thank and you. Um, And I'll keep an eye out for that blue 20th birthday show.
0: Keep your eyes peeled. <laughs>
1: A huge thanks again to Anthony for joining me you can hear him on the last word on Spurs podcast he's a very passionate Tottenham fan and you can also find him on social media at Anthony Costa as ever I hope you enjoyed this episode of Celebrity Catch Up I know there's lots of podcasts to choose from so thank you so much for choosing this one If you'd like to support the show, please don't keep the podcast to yourself. It would really help me out if you could please share it with a friend or post a screenshot on social media and tag me so that others can discover and enjoy it too. And do hit that follow button so you can be notified when new episodes come out. You can also visit celebritycatchup.com if you'd like to donate to help me continue making this show for you or feel free to get in touch if you'd just like to say hello. Until next time, thanks for listening.